Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss the recent beef cattle inventory report. This is the National Agricultural Statistics Services report. Came out at the end of January. And to discuss this, I'm joined today by Dr. David Anderson, who's a livestock marketing economist at Texas A&M University. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, great to be with you, Aaron. Dr. Anderson, this was a much anticipated report, just looking at what's been happening in terms of cattle production in the United States. Walk through with us what the report said. What were some, kind of some of the key numbers there as you looked at that? Well, like you said, this is a much anticipated report. And this is one that, you know, as a market analyst, uh, a livestock economist, this is an interesting report to folks like me. Uh, it's not something that typically oftentimes, uh, you know, matters for today's price or tomorrow's price. But it really gives us sort of a benchmark of where we are at this point in terms of cow numbers, cattle numbers, stuff like that that really help us sort of refine some of our projections and expectations for the future. So, yeah, we this is one we look forward to. So what's in the report? Well, you know, the headline number is the total cattle inventory was down again for 2024, and uh, it was down oh, oh, roughly 1.9%. We were down to 87.2 million head. Uh, again, a declining herd, just like we expected. We all know what's been going on with with more cows going to slaughter, declining herd. This was another year of decline. And quite honestly, the report sort of matched what we sort of expected as market analysts. You know, that's a number I tend to not look at very much. It's it's the big headline, fewer cattle. And in fact, fewer cattle in decades, going back to like 1951, I think. You know, and, and so that's that's a that's a big number. I tend to look at the number of beef cows. The reason I'm interested in the number of beef cows is because really the cows are the productive engine of the industry. We got to have the cows to do everything else. So cow herd was down, oh gosh, I think two and a half percent, down to 28.2 million head. What's interesting about that is that, again, is the fewest number of beef cows since 1961. But to me, what's interesting, being down here at, at Texas A&M, you know, a decade ago, Roughly the fall of 10 through, say, 2013, we had a devastating drought. 2011 was our driest year on record. We cut more than a million beef cows out of the Texas herd. You know, we got down to 3.9 million head. So if I look at this cow inventory number, as a nation, our total cows, we have fewer cows this year than we had at the trough a decade ago following that drought. The combination of drought around the country calf prices that are low relative to our higher costs have driven us to cut our herds, and we've actually got fewer than we did a decade ago. But if I look at Texas out of that, we have 4.1 million beef cows. We actually have about a little more than 200,000 more cows today than we did following our drought. And so we did not, we have not cut as much. We're not down below that drought number uh, compared to the whole U.S. that is. So I think that's something that's kind of interesting as we dig into the numbers a little bit. Yeah, let's dig into the numbers a little bit also. And as we think about the numbers, the other interesting thing to me, though, is that we see our total beef cattle numbers are down, but feedlot inventory was up. Help us understand that. Yeah, you know, that was one of the really interesting things in the market in tw late 2023 is that 
we actually had a couple of months late in the year that we placed more cattle than we did the year before and drove our cattle on feed numbers above a year ago. Now, I think that was a surprise for some people because clearly the futures market reacted to that report, that cattle on feed report, and we, that kind of kicked off falling prices in the futures. But, you know, if you're really following numbers, here's what basically happened. One is, you know, I think it's fair to say we had some drought conditions in winter grazing areas. I think it forced some earlier placements. We did have a few more cattle come from Mexico than the year before. Those are all feeder cattle. They typically either go to ranches or straight to feedlots. So a few more ahead, added some more placements. But I think it's important to recognize it was more cattle from Mexico than the year before, but it was about the average number of cattle that come from Mexico. The difference was 2022 was a lot less. But the third, and I, I think the biggest factor in this is we continued to place heifers. We continued to put heifers on feed, essentially valuing their uh, near-term beef production more than their productive capacity over their life if they stayed on the ranch. And so we pulled those heifers into feedlots to sort of rob Peter to pay Paul, if you will, uh, to get beef production near-term at the expense of future beef production. So that's really what drove the cattle on feed report. I think that also ties back to, as we think about people placing heifers in the yard and just the comments you made that they see them as having more value right now to them as cash rather than keeping them and making them into a cow. What does that indicate in terms of the, the cow-calf producer mindset right now in terms of what's going on with the economics and profitability? Well, I think that kind of the easy way to think about it to me is with calf prices where they are, where certainly where they were at the end of 2023. That check in your hand right then looked a lot more valuable than what you thought that heifer was going to earn you over her life. And so that's where, in a way, you know, we can get, let's dig a little bit deeper in the, the economic side of it. One of the things driving herd contraction is, is really, you know, economics. Uh, we've gone through some years of low calf prices, yet at the same time, uh, over the last couple of years, we've had rapidly rising costs. So, you know, whether it's fuel, fertilizer, you know, you name it, the costs that we have are higher. And so even in 2023, we actually had some record high calf prices in some markets, eclipsing what we had back in 14 and 15. But if I consider costs, those record high prices did not generate record high profits. Now, I'm, econo I'm an economist. I think prices matter. I think profits matter. It's a market at work and there's a market signal. And that market signal was, what I think selling that animal now is better than the future. Now, we could also think of her as, a, as an investment where I want to think about the, the present value, if you will. the What's the present value of the stream of her earnings over her life? With higher interest rates, what that tells us is the future is worth less in a present value sense. And so with higher interest rates, not only are costs higher, but the consideration of her future earnings are smaller and it makes that check today look better. So I think that's, that's kind of the economic side of the market signal of, you know, herd contraction and not really holding back replacements. I'd say anecdotally here, I've had some comments with producers, or I should say I've had some conversations with producers and, you know, the comment is I really kind of need to get some debt paid down. We, you know, we're looking at operating notes at that eight to 10% area. I kind of need to get some cash in hand and get healed up a little bit. Absolutely. 
I wonder how much of that is driving this as well. I think that 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 has been a large part of continuing to contract the cow herd. It's just that right there. You know, you need the money. And whether that comes from those heifer calves or it comes from continuing to call deeper into the herd, because we had some pretty high call cow prices too, and that's pretty attractive. And so, you know, both sides of that, the opportunity to make some significant headway on, you know, in your wallet, paying off other costs, paying off notes or whatever, uh, that becomes pretty valuable to the whole, to the total ranch. One of the other things that's gotten my attention, and I know you've seen the headlines, but just what's happened, I think, within the dairy industry and the shift towards, I'd say, a focused effort to produce some beef on dairy calves. Uh, how do you see that shaping or making any difference as we think about beef supply? You know, quite honestly, I don't think it makes any difference on total beef supplies. And I, I say that because, you know, all those dairy calves, they were they were going to beef anyway. Now, where I think it does make a difference is, I guess we might call the confirmation of the carcass. I, I think it will make some cuts more attractive to retail food service because the the shape of them is going to be a little different and 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 actually better for food service. But I don't think it materially changes beef production much at all. The other thing I think it does do is I, I think there are some efficiency gains in feeding. I think those crosses will be more uh, more efficient or more profitable than maybe the whole the straight Holsteins were before. So that makes some difference if you get to feed those animals. Given how dairy production works, I think it's a more steady stream of animals. If you were a feeder and could tap into that market, you've got a steady stream of animals that maybe are less seasonal in nature. Because we do have, you know, in a dairy, I got to have got to have a calf so I can produce milk. So I think it changes some things like that. I think it's, you know, we'd probably say, you know, at least in the Texas panhandle, our growth in the dairy industry has been such that fuels a real material bump in the total number of feeder cattle supplies for our feeding industry. So that's, I think that's an important consideration too, that there are some regional differences in supplies of cattle, of feeder cattle, but I don't think it changes beef production a whole lot, the, the total pounds of beef production. You mentioned feeder cattle, and I think that cattle on feed report, you know, being up, and then we just look at how long cattle are being fed compared to where we were, I'll say a decade ago. And then we also look at what's happening at the harvest level in terms of carcass weight, uh, the upper level at which the packer continues to raise in terms of when discounts occur on these heavier carcasses. So although we have fewer cattle, sure seems like we're still producing quite a bit of pounds. Well, we really are. And, and you know, 2022 was our record all-time beef production, over 28 billion pounds. Now, we got there by sending a lot of heifers to market and culling a lot of cows. So we really, you know, we really stole from the future. But if we're down, if we were down five and a half percent or whatever it was in 2023 versus 22, down, say, five to six percent in 2024 versus 23, you know, we're still producing a relatively large amount of beef. So, you know, we can start thinking about still producing 26 billion pounds, that coming down to 25 billion pounds. That's still a relatively large amount of beef, although 25 is getting pretty low for our, for our consumption for, for beef demand. 
but it's still, we continue to produce more beef per cow. Clearly, a lot of that is weights with fewer cattle numbers. I think you can expect that maybe nobody's going to be quite as concerned about just how big those animals are because we need the pounds. And so the pounds of beef. So I think folks can be more choosy or impose some more uh, discounts, if you will, when we got lots of animals to choose from, but that's not really the case now. And so, you know, we're going to have, again, this balancing act. You know, late in 2023, we had all-time record high dressed weights for steers, roughly 940 pounds. So the long-term trend is for heavier weights. It's hard to see that changing. The balancing act we'll have is that Boy, as fed cattle prices get high, there's some incentive to sell them earlier. That pulls down weights. As cheaper feed happens, as cheaper corn happens, uh, that's some economic incentive to put more weight on them. And so we've got this balancing out of, act of a lot of different kind of pressures on weights going on. And we'll see kind of how that, how that shakes out. Uh, the one thing that I, that I did not touch on, the thing I was looking for most in the report, cow numbers, obviously, but uh, replacements held for beef cow replacement. So heifers held for beef cow replacement, that was down again. Uh, yet if we dug in some of the state level data, you know, generally in the plain states, Texas and the northern plains, it showed a little bit of increase in the number of heifers held back. Yet if we look throughout the south, where they were hit by a pretty hard drought, uh, in 2023, they tended to have fewer replacements than a year ago, but overall nationwide, fewer replacements, which makes it just plain harder to rebuild the herd, even though we got some states that have some movement happening with a few more replacements held back to see if they get a chance to take advantage of high prices. So I guess in terms of looking at that piece, we're kind of we're kind of in a holding pattern or we're a ways away from seeing very rapid expansion. Is that accurate from your perspective? Hold on just a second. Sure. Sorry about that. Well, yeah, you know, we're sort of right on the cusp of this thing happening, I would argue. And, you know, I think where expansion starts is really out of, uh, really starts, I think, later this year, assuming it rains and we have, we're out of drought and we have grass, that really kicks off, I think, real heifer retention and real expansion starting. So as we think about the consumer side, because ultimately they're the end product consumer, they're the one who pays the price for the product we produce. What are some things you see happening there? I mean, we've seen, you know, I think some reports I've seen that we're seeing consumer debt uh, at elevated levels, starting to see maybe some uh, credit card debt, things like that raise, raise up to a level we haven't seen in a long time. Interest rates are higher. When do we start to see some headwinds from the consumer in terms of them saying, hey, uh, Prices are at a place where we're going to look at uh, trading down or looking at buying something else rather than your beef. Well, that's one of the real surprises in the market, I think, from 2023, is that we did not see much of that go on, that consumers continued to buy beef, even in the face of record high retail prices. Uh, we hit a record back in, uh, I think it was July of 2023 uh, for beef prices. I think the thing we're going to find out is we're going to test everybody's wallet and their willpower in the coming year in terms of beef purchases. Clearly, from the supply side, the pressure's on for higher prices because we're going to produce less beef. But 
I think it's important to remember the way demand works. When price goes up, it's a market signal to buy less beef. And that's what we'll see, is people will buy less because the price is higher. What we're really looking for is do we hit a price point where we really see a change in people's behavior? Beef price tells us to buy more or less. If beef price is higher, people are going to buy less. So we're kind of moving along demand up and down. And that's pretty normal, you know. What we're really thinking about is do we really shift demand? Do we shift demand back because people buy less? Because all of a sudden we hit a price point that forces people to buy pork or chicken. You know, when they shift between beef items, they're still buying beef. So, you know, that's a good thing. But, you know, so we're really looking at big changes in income, uh, sort of tastes and preferences of people, and clearly tastes and preferences. People like beef. That drives purchases. And I think that's been the big demand boost for the last decade. So population is another one of those shifters of demand. So you mentioned credit card debt. I think that's that's one of the issues that has a lot of people concerned about the future of beef demand is just do people have the money to buy? But, you know, there's a lot of mixed signals in the overall economy. We could also say, you know, we got a growing economy. GDP continues to grow at a faster rate than most economists thought. GDP is growing. Real wages are increasing. Wages, as we adjust for inflation, are increasing. Inflation rates are coming down. And so, and we continue to have very low unemployment. So, you know, we can dig in a little deeper and look at credit card debt and some things like that and wonder how that effect is going to be. But basically for beef demand over time, man, a growing economy and low unemployment, that really sets the stage for good beef demand. But I do think, you know, we're going to find out, you know, do we hit a point that we trigger some wholesale changes in purchases because that price gets too high? But, you know, keep in mind that the market signal as prices go up, the market signal is to buy less. So people are going to buy less. But that doesn't mean that demand's in trouble or going away. That's just the market signal to buy less because our own beef prices are high. And, and so, you know, this year, you know, we're going to find out. Last year was a pleasant surprise. This year, we're going to find out. So as you think about the producer level, cow-calf, stalker yearling producer, what are some things you think about in terms of things they should think through in light of the times we're in? I'm thinking here about risk management, thinking about marketing, thinking about some strategic decision-making. What would you encourage producers to consider? Well, you know, one of the things that makes this interesting, I think, is, you know, from a supply standpoint, with tighter supplies, prices are going up. Cap prices are going up. Uh, they're going to be higher this year than they were last year. And so, you know, in a way, that makes it hard to make a mistake. You know, prices are going up, particularly when ranchers really start rebuilding herds and we pull those heifers out of the calf supply that's going for sale this fall, prices will shoot up even higher. So in a way, you know, it makes it hard to make a mistake, right? But it's also an opportunity to make sure that you can sort of uh, do some things to guarantee those profits or guarantee those high prices. That's a real opportunity for people, even though we all may say, you know, think prices are going up and we got a pretty great outlook for prices. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with making sure that you get those for sure. Just knowing that, you know, big events happen that change markets sometimes. And so I think there is an opportunity, whether that's if you normally use some kind of hedging strategy, gosh, this, this, you know, it might be worth a little money to you to make sure you get these high prices. 
LRP is another one, another way to to do something to just to, just to kind of manage that price risk a little bit to make sure you hit these high prices just in case some event happens. And so, you know, I think that stuff is just as important as, as ever because what happens is when prices really go up and all of a sudden we're profitable, folks tend to relax on the kind of price risk management, cost side, cost management because gosh, it was a good year. So we can we tend to sometimes take our eye off stuff like that. Yet those are still just as good decisions to do something as they ever were. Anything else you'd like to highlight today on the inventory report or outlook and perspective in light of what the numbers are? No, I think we hit a lot of pretty good stuff. Dr. Anderson, thanks for your time today. I always appreciate getting your perspective and especially getting a Southern Plains perspective on what's going on with cattle markets in the industry. Anytime, Aaron. I'm sure glad to be with you today. Well, for more information on Dr. David Anderson, he is in the Department of Agricultural Economics at Texas A&M University. You can find his contact information there.